Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm Erin. And this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. How are you, friends? And by friends, I mean people that can't respond. So I hope you're great. I hope they're great, too. I am great because it's October. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, back again with daily episodes. We're not going to fail you in October. We might fail you in other months of the year, but never October. I figure if we pull this off, we're allowed to fail you in all the other months. Periodically, yeah. I mean, we give you enough content in this month that it should sustain you for a while, at least. Yes. I mean, unless you're honestly listening day by day, which kudos i feel like you're a gold star friend then mm-hmm. um, a gold star shithead you're a golden shit you'll get a little golden shit trophy <laughs> i wish there was a way of identifying that there is a stink bug in this room and i just looked him like straight in the eye oh there he is okay so anyway um oh yeah so i need to address it's not an elephant in the room because it was an email sent to us it wasn't like plastered all over social media or something but apparently a few <laughs> quite a few episodes back i think we somehow were talking about polyamory or like non-monogamous relationships and somebody sent us an email and I'm not going to read the email because I don't want to put that person's shit on blast. And also they tried to send it anonymously, but I have a feeling I might know who it is and like no, no judgment, but like, I just want to establish when we talk on this podcast, we're talking about like our own personal feelings about things (laughs) like about our own relationships, not anyone else's choices. Like I don't care what other people choose to do. Like does not, I do not give two shits. Like, honestly, like, do your thing. More power to you. I was specifically talking about how I feel about it for me. And it's just not my vibe, which, like, you know, to each their own. And the person wasn't rude about it, but it just felt like I needed to say something about it. But, um, gotcha. So I was sitting here the other day thinking about it after I read it, and I was like, I could be upset by this email, or I could think we've made it. Yes. Like, we're getting emails about how we're saying things incorrectly, <laughs> which I appreciate, because yeah. please correct us if we're wrong. But, like, also, I feel like it means people actually are listening. Yeah. And give a shit. I mean, yeah. I would like people to tell us how so wonderful now we I'm are, nervous, but it's so, so real. Now I'm like, people are listening, and I better get my <laughs> shit together. Yeah, and, like, if we accidentally say something, we're human beings, people. Like, just oh, yeah. help us learn. Considering how tired I've been lately that sometimes I go back and look at what I've typed and I'm researching and I go, what? Why would I write that? And I go, that was for the other episode and I'm mixing and match. So oh yeah. There's a lot of mixing, especially in October when we're doing daily episodes, it's hard to separate. I them. did. I literally had some sentences that were from different episodes together. Well, that's why I yeah. like, so obviously yeah. guys, we're batch recording this. We're not insane. We don't live together anymore. We can't do daily recording. So it's like um, when I'm picking topics, I'm like, let me pick three very wildly different topics yeah, to research too. so I don't mix up mix them up. I but am, still, it, it happens. Anyway, so we're going to talk about uh, Gene Harlow today, which if you looked at the title and you're like, how is this in any way, shape or form spooky or scary? I'm about to tell you. Because aside from like all the old Hollywood issues that we now know of <laughs> with actresses back in the day. Um, there's some spooky stuff that specifically happened to Jean Harlow. And also she's just, she's the first, um, kids considered the first blonde bombshell, like the first mm-hmm. mega famous, like yeah. uh, woman of that time. Well, Madonna mentions are in vogue. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, so 
on the surface doesn't appear that there's too many like unusual crazy things that happen, but actually there's quite a few that are super weird. And I don't even get into like the manner of her death. I mean, I briefly mention it, but like there's weirder things that happened before that. So if you end up liking this episode, you should go to jeanharlow.com because literally it's her official website or whatever, mm. but it's super informative and they have beautiful pictures of her. I mean, obviously she was a beautiful woman, but like they have beautiful images of her that some of them I've never seen before. Um, and also it's, the, we're not going to cover everything about her life. So if mm-hmm. you want to know more about her, you should go there. This is not like paid for by them, by the way, <laughs> even though I wish they would do that. Um, <laughs> but you know, obviously by the nature of these only being about a half an hour in length, um, I'm not going to talk about her entire life, even though it wasn't that long. Um, so Harleen Harlow Carpenter, that was her God given name. I did um, not know that. Yeah. Her mother's maiden name was Harlow. And her mother's name was Jean. So technically it was like, so her mother went by the name Mother Jean and people would call her Little Jean. Oh, okay. Which we get into how that's problematic in a moment. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Harleen Harlow Carpenter was born on March 3rd, 1911 in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, So like I said, her mother's name was Harlow. And her mother's maiden name was Harlow, and her name was also Jean. Uh, to boil down Jean's up, little Jean's upbringing, her mother was an intense stage mom that wanted to live vicariously through her child. Mm-hmm. You know, real healthy and mm-hmm. a really produce a healthy person. Her father was a dentist, mm-hmm. like a pretty well respected dentist. Um, but her mother always wanted to be famous, mm-hmm. which <laughs> recipe just, for disaster. Yeah. There. So when it was clear that wasn't going to happen for her, she put all of her effort and dreams into little Jean, which yeah. never ends well, no matter what your dreams are. You can yeah. even ha- aspire to be a dentist yourself and still it's not healthy. Um, as Jean grew up, she contracted meningitis and scarlet fever. She was just full of diseases. Mm. Um, she was like a sickly child, essentially. Um, I think this is partially why her mother was able to control her so easily mm-hmm. because she was sickly. She yeah. was, I mean, not that she was going to like beat the shit out of her mom, no, but like but- she, it would have been easier for her to be like a, um, like typical teenager and like storm out of the house or like, you know, yeah, kind of be more active and more, like she was more dependent resist. on her mother because of her physical yeah. troubles. Yes. So like imagine being hospitalized and weak all the time mm-hmm. and you're a child, you're, if your mother tells you what to do, you're just going to do it. Like you're yeah. not going to mm-hmm. try and you don't really have your own life at that point. Like Gypsy. Like Gypsy Rose, which we've got to cover her at some point. Cause that's just wild. Yeah. That has to be like a full, full episode. It could be like a whole series. Yeah. Also, great oxygen show. You should watch. Um, So her mother's insane drive towards this fame uh, would lead to her eventual divorce and then their move to Hollywood with little Jean. She just picked up and moved to Hollywood Hmm. from Missouri. Her mother met Marino Bello and they all moved to Chicago where Jean would attend high school. So that was her stepfather. Hmm. Um, Really, there's I don't mention a lot about him because he really didn't do have much Mm -hmm. of an impact on her life. Um, at 16, okay, Jean married Charles McGrew, who was 23 at the time. Not that weird, guys. No. And if you're a millennial or not a millennial, no, if you're a, common. A, a young child, which please don't listen to this, um, that was not uncommon. No, um, people married a lot of times when they were still in high school. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. And obviously mother Jean was like super okay with this because he was wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, so shortly after they got married, they moved to Beverly Hills and mother Jean would follow after them. Obviously no shock there. That sounds like, like mother superior. I shouldn't reference it. I won't. What are we referencing? Gray gardens? No, no. I'll, I don't want to say it now. I don't want to open the can of worms, but I'm no open the goddamn can of worms. Sounds like Brittany Murphy and her mother. Oh God. It does sound like Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Oh, we're opening the can of worms. We'll address that one day too. (laughs) Um, McGrew had money, like old family money. And I want to say, I think a parent of his died and there was like more inheritance Uh money coming in. Um, and I don't want to get too much into the marriage, but needless to say, the influx of cash, the prohibition-esque vibes, and proximity to other wealthy, young, attractive people, it led to jealousy, over-partying, and a lot of tension in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, Jean always wanted to be a wife and a mother. It was literally the only thing she ever wanted to do. But from time to time, she would be an extra just to appease Mother Jean and kind of get her off mm-hmm. her back. There actually was a story where she was sitting in a car waiting for a friend to come back from an audition, like a legit audition, and producers had walked by and were begging her to come in and audition, and she kind of like brushed them off. And then when she mentioned it to her mom, her mom smacked her across the face and made her go back to the studio. So whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I I read that in a few different places. Um, Two years after they moved to Beverly Hills, her and McGrew would divorce. her big break would come in 1930, thanks to uh, just a little-known person named Howard Hughes and her eventual second husband, Paul Byrne, which is an important name that I will come back to at um, in a moment. So if you are completely unaware of who Howard Hughes is, he was a famous film producer and entrepreneur and notorious for being unhinged and mentally ill towards the end of his life, unfortunately. Um, uh, the Aviator. It's a yeah. great movie. Watch it. Partially accurate, partially very not accurate, but please watch it. It's great. <laughs> um, I think Gwen Stefani plays Jean Harlow she in does. the movie. She did. Um, and looks almost exactly like her, minus the fact that Jean Harlow was shorter and a little bit more round than Gwen Stefani, mm-hmm. but you know, close mm-hmm. enough, I guess. During the 1930s, he would produce many of the most influential films in old Hollywood. And Paul Byrne was a German screenwriter and director who is typically credited with Jean Harlow's rise to fame. So he mm. kind of was like her manager, director, like pusher mm-hmm. kind of situation. In 1930, specifically, Howard Hughes would cast Jean Harlow in Hell's Angels, where the infa- infamous line, would you be shocked if I changed into something more comfortable, mm. would be said by the first blonde bombshell, Jean herself. Um, pretty much that was like what skyrocketed. That was like scandalous at the time. And she became like, uh, the first sex symbol essentially. Mm. Um, and would star in six films with Clark Gable and undergo the most disgusting process to get her platinum blonde hair. Okay. So platinum blonde hair, she's not blonde. (laughs) She was not a natural blonde. She actually had dark hair. No shock there. Um, but it was more of like a mousy brown. It wasn't like super dark like mine mm-hmm. or yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, what they would do, and they would do this every three or four days. Oh. They would take bleach. Oh, God. Ammonia. How did and it not fall out? Lie soap flakes. Lie soap flakes. They could have blinded them. Yes. And they would apply it to her whole head every three to four days. I'm sure any hairstylist or person that 
bleaches their hair is going that is the worst thing in the entire world. Her 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 head would have like burns, um, burns I on it, chemical burns How on it. How did the hair not fall out? Her hair would fall out. That's why in a lot of them, so it had to been of, wigs in a lot of it. So if you look at a lot of the pictures, they weren't wigs, but her hair is looks like it's slicked back. It's not slicked back. She just had very little of it because it felt so much of it fell out. The other thing is you couldn't really get it clean because it was so chemically damaged. So the fact that it looks shiny, that actually was the oil in her hair. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So That's... it was pretty bad. That actually, I, I'm going to be honest, and I don't remember if I put it in my notes to talk about it later, but that is thought to be the cause of her death. Like the cause of the infection that caused her to die is those chemicals being put onto her head it like getting every four in her days. Bloodstream probably. And her kidney started to fail. So she got an, an infection, went to the hospital, and then it's thought she refused treatment for some reason. And I don't know why. Some people say it was because she was a Christian Scientologist. I don't know if that's true. Um, some people say she just refused it and then she would die from sepsis when she was 26. God, the price of. Yeah, the price for blonde hair and people and women would replicate it. It was like, can you get jeans hair like blonde? Like there were contests for that. God, like the most the most harmful thing when I was growing up was sun in, mm-hmm. and that used to like break your hair off too. I remember my mother yeah. wouldn't let me buy it. Now you're a, not doing that. They apparently have a safer formula now. My sister uses it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to put my sister shit on blast, but <laughs> she puts it in the kids' hair. Um. <laughs> At this point, you may be thinking, why are we still talking about this? There's no spooky shit that's happening. I'm very spooked by that whole hair situation. The hair situation is spooky enough. If that's the cause of death, I am spooked by it. Okay, so they can't officially say that that's what happened, obviously, because they didn't have the same kind of testing we have now. Oh, God. But it's thought that those chemicals in combination would have caused her kidneys to start to fail. Now I'm, like, self-conscious about, like, I was going to do my roots tonight. I don't know. No, 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 no. I know, I know. These are, like, the pure forms of these things. Like, I know they talk about, like, ammonia-free hair dye but like the ammonia hair dye that they there exists now is not the ammonia we're talking about that we're talking about like straight up ammonia from a bottle oh my god yeah well remember paul Byrne? yeah okay so in 1932 they had been dating for a few months and they got married yeah and it was lovely and they really seemed to be in love um until on their wedding night he confessed that he was impotent well, that sucks. And she really, 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 really wanted to have kids. Like, more important than anything else, didn't want to have, wanted to have kids. Why was he impotent? I don't know. He, how, how old was this dude? I think he was probably 10 or 15 years older than her. He still shouldn't have been impotent. But still shouldn't have been impotent. Um. So, anyway. All right, I'm she, being judgmental, and I better shut up before we get another email. <laughs> am I using the wrong word? He was sterile. Oh, sterile. Sterile. Well, that's sterile. different. Okay, yeah, sterile. So they use impotent, but you'll find out really quickly but, that he wasn't impotent. Uh, okay. <laughs> he was sterile. But still bummer. I mean, she yeah. wanted to have kids. Yeah, she really, really... And that like? was devastating. Literally, okay. she was devastated and immediately hated him and immediately found any reason to not spend any time with him. Like, she immediately, like, right. didn't want to have anything to do with him. Gotcha. So a few weeks later, Jean found out... Um, about Paul's ex-common-law wife. <gasps> he had had a common-law wife that he had met in Toronto. Her name was Dorothy Millette. And they had met in Toronto, on the obviously on the East Coast, and we're talking about being in California. And they had 
obviously common law means you've lived with somebody long enough that that person yeah. by law is your wife. Um, for those of you who, who don't know what that is, cause it's not really a common thing anymore to talk about, I guess. Um, but, um, she eventually would be committed to a mental institution in Connecticut. So Jean <laughs> finds out about this woman because Paul stayed in contact with her and sent letters with her. Mm. He's also been having an affair the entire time with his secretary, Irene Harrison, which not uncommon. Oh, Paul. Either for the time to have lots of, I mean, it's not uncommon now, but again, if you're into that sort of thing, that's fine. If everyone is giving consent. <laughs> For me, not so much. And clearly there was no consent because Jean didn't know about it. Um, so two months after they were married, that was not for dramatic pause. I needed something to drink. Paul Byrne was found dead, yeah. shot in the head with a, quote, suicide note next to him. And I say, quote, because the manner of death on the official death certificate is suicide. However, let me give you some information about why I don't think it was suicide. <laughs> The note reads, Dearest Dear, Unfortunately, this is the only way to make good the frightful wrong I have done you and to wipe out my abject humiliation. Uh, I love you, Paul. You understand that last night was only a comedy. What? <laughs> I have never... First of all, I'm not, like, an expert at suicide notes, but that's fucking weird. Right? Um... It's weird. First of all, he doesn't say Jean. No, he doesn't. Dearest Jean. First of all, there are three potential women it could be. Dearest dear. It could be Irene. It could be Dorothy that he's yeah. stayed in contact with or Jean. And also, frightful wrong? What is he? Cheating on her? Do you think maybe he wrote the note not intending it as a suicide note and then someone, and someone did him in? Because, I mean... Do you think it was an actual, like, apology note? I don't know. It could have been. But you understand that last night was only a comedy? So he was joking about something the night before? Or right. something was supposed to be fun and it was too serious? Well, later the police would hear from the house staff that Paul's ex-wife, that's Dorothy, yeah. or someone closely matching her description was there the night before his death. Oh, well. Hmm. And Jean was away filming her latest movie at the time. So she has an alibi. Allegedly, but technically it was within driving distance, you oh. find out later. But the police really didn't look into it, so we're looking back and assuming a few things. So at the time, it could have been an alibi, but many speculate about what actually happened to Paul. I personally think it wasn't a suicide. Jean's only comment to the grand jury that was called after the fact was that she knew nothing. She never spoke about it ever again. Huh. Weird. Weird. Now, it could just be she lost her husband and doesn't want to speak about it, which is totally 100% understandable, and yeah. no one would judge her for that, but also never talks about it ever again. <laughs> kind of odd. You may be thinking, what about Dorothy? Didn't they track her down? Well, they did, and um, needless to say, they found out a few things. First, Dorothy had suffered from mental health concerns to the point that Paul had been supporting her financially. Mm -hmm. That's how Jean had found out and had her committed to a mental facility on the East Coast. Now, it was more of like a residential facility, not like an asylum yeah. kind of thing. It was more like a uh, home of repose or whatever the mm -hmm. fuck they had, mm -hmm. whatever they called it, where like people would go to rest mm -hmm. in air quotes. Um, it's also believed that Dorothy had recently found out about his marriage to Jean Harlow. That mm -hmm. it had hit the papers a few weeks after the marriage actually happened. 
And two days after Paul was found dead, they found Dorothy's body in the Sacramento River. She had jumped from a boat and also committed suicide. How'd she get, why is she getting out of a mental facility and able to go into a boat and commit suicide? But remember, they, the house staff had said that they saw somebody matching her description the night before at the house. And she was found dead in the Sacramento River, not that far away from where Paul lived. So, oh my gosh. Having jumped from a boat, she escaped that. I think she like um, somehow got out of the facility. They don't talk about it because they didn't really look into it. Well, they because probably- they thought it was a suicide. Ugh. You know how cops are, and especially back then. That was the 30s. That's even worse yeah. than now. Yeah. Um, no other information or evidence to refute the suicide claim for Byrne was ever brought to authorities. So do we know what happened? No. But can I speculate that the mentally unstable ex-wife found out about Paul's marriage, who she thought she was still common-law wife of, mm-hmm. travels to Beverly Hills, meets with him, and then kills him because if she can't have him, no one will. Then out of guilt jumps from the steamboat. It was a steamboat, by the way, which I really enjoyed. Mm. That that was the only positive part of that. Um, but again, um, you know, then Jean Harlow essentially goes on to, I think she gets married a third time and then she dies in the hospital. But I didn't go into the rest of her life because quite honestly, it wasn't as spooky as that fucking shit. That was like weird. Like Jean could have done it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Having found out that he couldn't have kids, was cheating on her with a bunch of people and had an ex-wife. That's motive. And technically she would have had people to like lie for her. Absolutely. And I mean, her mother would have lied for her in a heartbeat. Absolutely she would have. Could have been her mother trying to protect Jean. Yeah. It could, I mean, it could have been the ex-wife. Because that would have been, been, been the worst thing, you know, like, oh, that scandal can't get out. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Oh yeah. And then, um. Yeah, like, I think she married, the third husband, it was, like, a studio arranged the marriage, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Rock Hudson, right? Then they, like, yeah, like uh, set up a marriage for him, and that was very clearly not, yeah. not Rock Hudson's vibe, if you catch my drift. Yeah, there was a lot of that that went on, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, very toxic. But anyway, so the other part of this that I don't go into because I thought it would take too long is the paranormal aspect of it. So um, I think the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails yeah. <laughs> owned the he home did. where Paul Byrne killed himself. Yeah. And he, he owned it like, like, like as a, like a joke or was it, or did the, or did he own the Manson house? Cielo Drive. That's not the Manson house. No, I thought it was Nine Inch Nails. Okay. I think it was. I'm getting I, my musicians confused. Because it, it's Lane. Is it, who's, is it Lane Staley for Nine Inch Nails? No. no, it's Trent Reznor. So I think Trent Reznor owned the Cielo Drive house. And then her sister contacted him and was like, dude, you're like exploiting my yeah. sister. But anyway, some fame. I'm mixing everything up. See, this is what happens when you do too many research. Let's just things. Google this and put us but out we'll of our Google misery. it. Some sort of band person they bought the house and it was haunted. Like there are noises and spooky, like paranormal stuff that happens well, at this right, house. There was definitely an episode of something I watched. Yes. And I can't remember whether uh, it was Trent Reznor owned the Cielo Drive house or he owned this house, which by the way, did you know they changed the address of the yes. Cielo house? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. I feel like I'm the last person to know. Hold on a second. So there are two, sti- to give you an update on the stink bugs in this room, there's a stink bug on the inside of the window <laughs> and a stink bug on the outside of the window. I think they're trying to see each other. 
And they don't realize it's a fucking window because they're bugs. I'm trying to also buy time for Aaron to look this up for me. I am. Hold on a second. So we're going to get this for you in a moment. But the other thing we want you to do is to send us an email at 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. I figure I might as well do this plug right now. And I need you to follow us on Facebook at 31 nights of scary shit on Instagram at 31 nights of scary shit and on Twitter at scary shit pod. Um, so yeah, I can't. Aaron, did you find it? No, I'm trying no to- we'll, we'll give you an update in the next episode of who owned this house and there was spooky shit that happened. I remember reading about it and then I was like, I'm going to have to do another episode about this. Yeah, I can't find it. Okay, well, we'll give you an update in the next episode about that. Oh my God, this cat. So I got the rainbow film um, that you put on your window and it's supposed to do like rainbows on the floor and my cats love to lay in it and it brings me so much joy and I love it so much. You have no idea. Anyway, um, friends, we really just want you to remember to uh, stay spooky. Bye.